This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And action! Hello and welcome to episode 375 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk... Filmmaking. From indie film to studio films to documentary to TV and... And everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to royally... F them up. In a very, very humble opinion. I'm Giles Alderson. I'm Dom Lenoir. And thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. Um, It's a Friday. This is a Friday special for you because Dom sat down with director George C. Wolfe to talk all about Rustin, his latest film, Rustin, which is out now on Netflix. Dom, tell us what you talked about with the wonderful man George C. Wolfe. We talked about adapting a true story using a mix of documentary and filmmaking techniques, starting out in theatre and film, what to show and what not to show from a real-life adaption and which perspectives and supporting characters to focus on, We also discussed the screenwriting process and how to approach dialogue and story and casting the perfect lead. And that perfect lead is Coleman Domingo. He starred as Bayard Rustin, uh, the architect of the 1963 March on Washington. George uh, C. Wolfe, um, he's also the director of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom uh, and he's the winner of five Tony Awards for his theatre direction as well. Some of his other credits uh, include Fires in the Mirror, Lackawanna Blues, Nights in Rodanthe, and The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, obviously as well as Ma Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Rustin, which he also produced. Mm. Um, He is a, a, a hugely established director in his own right. What was it like to chat to him? Uh, it was very informative. It was very informative. He's, he's, he's like a wordsmith. He's, he's very good with words. He's very good with story. He's very good with characters. I, I feel like that's that's where he's, he's just got so much expertise um, alongside all of the other things. Um, he, like I say, has directed Rustin, which is out now on Netflix. Um, this is also starring um, Chris Rock, Glenn Turman, Amil Amin, Gus Halper, Joey Randolph, and Jeffrey Wright. The film is incredible, as is Dom's chat with George C. Wolfe. You lucky people, you. So coming up on Tuesday um, is going to be the Oppenheimer ladies, the team um, behind Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, including Jennifer Lane, the editor, Jamie Lee McIntosh, hair designer, uh, Louisa Abel, who was the makeup designer and did all the amazing prosthetics. And we've also got Ellen Mironjnik, uh, who was the costume designer as well. 
they go into detail. Myself and Dom really enjoyed this chat. Huge thanks to Tolly Shields for setting it up. That mm. is coming for you on Tuesday. Thank you all so much for your love so far this year in 2024 for the podcast. We will keep going. We will keep doing this, um, mainly because we get an amazing guest to talk to, but also because of your love and support helps us. So do keep doing that. Do keep telling your friends. Do go on um, iTunes and on Spotify and give us a review. Give us Just click the five-star button, if nothing else, and go on our Twitter, at Filmmakers Pod, and retweet our latest tweet saying this is the podcast it does does mean a lot and today um this friday today uh, i am attending the premiere of my produced documentary all town aren't we um about grimsby town football club directed by jack spring and we have sold out five screens hey. sold out it's going to be jam-packed at the Parkway Cinema in Cleethorpes. Uh, it is on a week up there as well. So if you can't make the premiere, maybe go see it then. More news on what's happening with Old Town, aren't we, soon. Um, okay, let's get to it. This is Dom chatting with George C. Wolfe, the director of Rustin. What should they do, Dom? They should have good quality fun listening to it. Much fun as I had. Perfect. But first of all, let's play the trailer of Rustin, the film we are here to talk about. So, talk, shout, take command. Who's that? Big famous bard Rustin. In 41, you called for a large-scale march. The time has come for another. No bad. I can handle all the grunt work. Rally the young. We are going to put together the largest peaceful protest made up of angelic troublemakers such as yourselves. My friend, Dr. Martin Luther King, will be joining us. How many bodies does it take to surround the White House? How many? Sorry, I thought that was a setup for a joke. You literally want me to yes. find out? <laughs> when it comes to the old guard, I'm considered a pariah. Every person at this table will be in the line of fire because of him. Why everyone so obsessed with what I'm doing and with whom? How can you preach salvation and not want to save yourself? Every day, we surrender that which makes us different. I can't surrender my differences. The world won't let me. The day of your march, the entire D.C. police force has been mobilized. What they really want to destroy is all of us coming together and demanding this country change. I remember saying that this Rustin fella is a little crazy. Only later did I fully comprehend that the little didn't even come close. We intend to go there not by the thousands, but by the hundreds of thousands. Yes! We are committed to altering the trajectory of this country towards freedom. That's what's on the line. Nothing less. Lord, I hope and pray they come today. Just uh, whenever, whenever you're ready, yeah. Would you like some water? Yeah, actually, I should. Yeah, get some hydration in. Yeah, always good. Good choice. Let's go with the mint tea. You can get a bit loaded up on caffeine on these. Uh, these no, yeah, these tours. no, no, no caffeine, no caffeine. <laughs> so, how are you doing? Welcome to uh, welcome to London. Are you uh, having a good time here? 
I don't know. I haven't seen London. I've just been inside of rooms talking about my film, which is a good thing to do, but I miss seeing London. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, so, so how are you feeling about the reception? I mean, you must be delighted. To, I mean, it's such an important film, and it's, uh, it's a story that I, I'd never heard of, which is, which well, is such I'm, an exciting thing. Most people haven't heard of it, so, it's, so, you're, <laughs> so you're not that different, and that's what's really sort of thrilling and and probably a bit humbling and 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 exciting that you're sharing something about someone who really was a remarkable human being and a remarkable figure and a significant figure particularly in the American civil rights movement but who was also just connected to to any issues of injustice and you know just so he, he's he's you know he, he was a, he was a conscious objector during World War II so he spent time in prison wow. as a result of that he protested the internment of the Japanese during World War II. He so and from the age of 14 15 he was fighting injustice so That's amazing and so you know and and then you know to cap it all up but not to cap it all up because he lived long after that but he and a group of kids uh, you know orga- were the organizing force behind the march on Washington and laid and created the template for for a series of marches that have followed and was the largest peaceful protest, you know, in the country, possibly even the world. It was 250,000 people showed up. That's a lot of people. That's a lot. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's amazing what, what he achieved. I suppose when you've got someone that has so much um, that they've done in their life, like how, how do you approach? I mean, how did this, this script uh, or the idea uh, come to you? And how did you start sort of forming it into, you know, a, a shootable There was an in-process script that, that, w- that existed prior to my involvement. But the thing which became very interesting to me about, about the script and about Bayard is that him, him being the primary architect of the 1963 March on Washington, there's somebody who was made internationally famous because of the March on Washington. That was Martin Luther King, in part because he delivered a phenomenal speech cool. and has the charisma and had all the qualities that one looks for in a leader and in a figure and, and the passion and the intelligence and the, and the uh, eloquence that is, that is required. He had it all and then some. You know, and so as a result of it, you know, he was catapulted into the world. And I, ironically enough, someone who he was very close to and had a sort of mentor brother slash, you know, deep connection with got erased by history mm. in large part, in large part because of, you know, because of MLK's astonishing, you know, speech. Mm. And also in part because of uh, that's what history does. It it highlights it highlights those who are easy, easier to process. And also the fact that that he was an out homosexual in 1963 mm. contributed to that. And also one of the things that's very interesting to me is that 1963 is a very fascinating year in just in terms of American culture and American politics. You know, three weeks later, two or three weeks later, you know, the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in which four little girls were killed. And by, you know, this was August. By November, yeah. the president was assassinated. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and Bayard was a huge proponent and he introduced to Martin Luther King the ideas of, of nonviolence because he had gone to India to study Gandhi's teachings. So 
it, it was a transition from passive resistance until all of a sudden, you know, there seems to be this abundance or this move in the country toward violence away from the passive resistance. So night so it becomes it's it's to me it's a film that is about Bayard. It's about his contributions, but it's also about that time period. Mm, yeah. And 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 the thing which is what what was really interesting is you know what people were were you know is the the march for jobs and freedom, but it was also very specifically about about the, the the rigid segregationist thought process that was still very dominant in the South, hmm. yet people from all over the country, you know, black and white, and 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 various social economic groups, all came together for this one cause. So it's 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 an amazing triumph. It's and it's also a very interesting uh, prelude. To something that's at times with an energy in the country would seem to be the antithesis of the spirit of the march. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a really unique moment in time, and it does, it does, you know, even even though it is a, a, a subject matter that hasn't been easily tackled, it's it's surprising that I've never because there have been a lot of movies about Martin Luther King, um, and it, I've never sort of remembered this in, in any any passing. So it's it's so good that you've been able to really go in depth uh, to his particular story and what he stood for. Um, in terms of forming where you jumped in, in terms of where where the, where you actually begin his part of the life, because it's it's a it's a great you really capture this movement, this march, this moment in time. Um, but there's obviously a lot of interesting stuff that happens before. There's a lot of interesting stuff behind. Um, how did you sort of pick that moment? Because um, I think it really does. It throws you into the kind of the whirlwind of you don't know what's happened because there's obviously a bit of a past with him where he's had some ups and downs and, and it's it's a, it's an interesting point uh, where it, it keeps you on your edge like wondering what his story is. Well, it keeps you on the edge because you know you have to assume the, he didn't know he didn't know if the march was going to turn out. Nobody knew. In fact, there were people who were actively powerful people including the president of the country at the time including J. Edgar Hoover who was the head of the FBI at the time who were doing every single thing in their power to stop it. Mm. Who so so it was an active an, an active decision to not have this march happen and also you were dealing with other civil rights organizations the NAACP was very invested in court cases you know uh uh, Adam Clayton Powell was a very powerful and a very successful congressman and had passed and had had forced through a, a, a tremendous amount of legislation. So he believed that 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 he could do it based on the power and the charisma and the intelligence that he had. So there were all people who had different ideas of how they were going to solve the injustice. And so he formed an alliance with people and it was a you know to quote a line a very uneasy alliance mm. and a very complicated one and also the film beginning in large part with a betrayal that happened yeah. between him and Martin Luther King so that it was so that it became very clear what was at stake what were the obstacles and that there was but that by virtue of the fact of him being an out homosexual, it created a tremendous number of complications because the civil rights movement was acutely aware and very savvy and very sophisticated about presenting images. And they and and so that therefore, 
you know, there was a young girl named Claudette Cloven who was 15 years old who had refused to give up her seat three or four months before Rosa Parks did the same thing. But Rosa Parks was was packaging wise, to use a vulgar term, you know, a much more acceptable image than this young 15 year old girl. Yeah. So Bayard as, as being who he was and apologetic about who he was, was a complicated image and, 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 and a potential liability. And particularly when you're dealing with somebody like Hoover, who used the complications of who yeah. he was, his communist past, even though he was no longer a communist, and the fact that he was gay to try to stop the march. And I suppose, I suppose that's kind of one of the key messages that I, I got from this film is that the, you know, the risk versus the rewards in the end was worth it because what he was able to achieve and the way he was able to bring everyone together. But, you know, I, I can imagine it being a difficult time when, when in, in those times it was less acceptable to be gay. Um, and, well, it wasn't acceptable at all. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't acceptable. It was illegal. Illegal. There we go. Exactly. So, so you know, it's it's a, it's a difficult it's a difficult position to be put in. Um, was but, it? But there's a sense of but but he was ruled by a sense of responsibility, not fear. Yes, which is which is you know what what gives the the film such strength uh, and and hope. I think uh, was it difficult forming? I don't want to say the antagonists, but you know, Chris Rock's character and the you know the organization was it the NCP? Did you say NWCP? NWCP. Um, that that organization they obviously have to provide the counter to his his kind of you know crusade how did you kind of balance and and form those relationships within within the film well because that's it's 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 was historically true it was you know there was you know that you know uh, uh, um roy wilkins had a direct conversation with him you know in which he said you know it's and it, and it's it's very interesting i sort of don't believe what Wilkins was saying, but it was it, it was the if the equivalent of I I I don't object to you being a homosexual, but I cannot defend that the fact that you are promiscuous. I don't have anything against you. Uh, b- b- because of your beliefs, but I cannot defend the fact that you were communist. So it was all these qualifying mm. things in which he, I mean, it was, it, you know, the, the thing which was very important and, 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 and a thing to, to, to keep in mind is the, the, the civil rights movement was very invested in putting forth the correct image before people would go to do the, the sit-ins they were flawlessly dressed they were they were immaculately attired and then they would go and sit at a lunch counter and then a bunch of white hooligans would show up and squirt tomato ketchup and and, and mustard on them yeah. because tv w- was the was the new phenomenon you know richard nixon in 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 a substantive way lost the presidency to uh, John F. Kennedy, because John F. Kennedy was smooth, was was to the manner born, and Nixon spent the entire time sweating. Yes, yeah. and he sweated through the entire yeah. debate. Yeah, exactly. so so it, so image and the potency of what TV yeah. could do was a very vibrant new weapon. Mm. And like I said, the, the NAACP and the civil rights movement in general used it in a very smart and very savvy way. And there was just a, a, a very predominant concern that who Bayard was, the fact that he went to, went to prison because he was a conscious objection, uh, because he was a conscious objector during the civil, during World War II, you know, is, 
okay, hmm. I okay, I that's interesting. Everybody else who was a young man of age was fighting Hitler, was fighting fascism, but you're yeah. in prison because you don't believe in violence. Okay, that's a lot. So it's just a lot mm. in the in the simplistic landscape of who looks heroic, who looks correct, who looks most American, who looks yeah. the most acceptable, you know, and, and, and that's what TV was trafficking in. Yeah. That's what TV traffics into this very day. The start of the kind of the PR movement in, in its in its current form. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and and like I said, they did that very successfully and very smartly and very well, but also there were consequences to it. Mm. And somebody like Bayer, who was who was so busy focused on producing a positive result that he did not wear any shame about his mm. identity, which made him a really interesting period because uh, an interesting character because it was it was a behavior and an attitude that wasn't necessarily the predominant attitude of the period. No, and, and so, I, I imagine you'd be quite quite sort of scared or or, or terrified if you were, uh, you know, a, a gay black man in in America in those times, okay, let alone okay. a public figure. Yeah, exactly. Well, also just well, no, exactly. There was you know. You know, the, 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 the Red Scare had just happened, you know, which was fueled by fear of communism. And then there was a Lavender Scare in which the various people in the State Department were fired and removed because they were, they were believed to be or known homosexuals. Wow. So there was a, yeah. a tremendous, you know, and, and there were, you know, raids on gay bars, which were primarily owned by the mob. And so periodically the mob and the police would be in cahoots and people would be arrested in in Pasadena, which is where mm -hmm. an incident happened early in his life. There was some strange arrangement where the police, the police were in cahoots with the gay bars and which were not run by gay people. And when they arrested these prominent, prim primarily white men, they would force them to go to fake psychiatrists and pay a tremendous amount of money. Yeah. And then the police would split the yeah. money with the fake psychiatrists. So yeah. there were all these scams that were yeah. going on, people taking advantage of the fear and the paranoia that was the order of the day. Yeah. Terrible, isn't it? Um, so, so in terms of your, from a filmmaking perspective, your adaption, you've you've got the you've got the script, and there's there's a lot of the the elements there. What was it that you wanted to? Well, there was a lot of work. There. Also, what's happening with the script and the story, and what was being shaped and what was being changed. Yeah. So, so what was it you particularly felt like you shaped the script, um, and maybe what you decide to sort of leave in from the factual side versus, you know, obviously making a film? Because there's, there's always that balance as well. You you want to try and be completely true to the story, but there's also some things where an actor might bring something. And so so how, how do you sort of navigate that from, from the script Well, no, it's, it's not what an actor brings. Actor is bringing, hopefully they're telling the story that you want to tell. Mm. So it's so it's, it's an actor is not going to alter History. the fundamental no. equation of truth in a movie. No. At all. That's not their job. No. Their job is to bring truth, not to alter truth. So, 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 so that's not an equation that, that one was, was concerned about. I mean, there, there, I mean, there are certain things like factually, probably there's a big secret about Pasadena. Factually, probably more people knew the gossip 
about Pasadena than is revealed in the film. Certain yes. things like that. The the the, the uh, um, um, Martin Luther King and A. Philip Randolph and a number of people stood up when when uh, Strom Thurmond at, at the behest of of uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI announced on the Senate floor that. Uh, that that he had done this was arrested for lewd conduct in mm. Pasadena. It wasn't necessarily recorded. Yes, on the Senate floor, sure. it was. It was the text that he says exactly is exactly the text that he did say mm. on the Senate floor. But there wasn't conveniently a radio there yeah. to record that. So there's there's so there's certain things like that. Yeah. Where where it was it, it was about taking advantage of of the methodology of certain forms of communication which weren't necessarily so readily available. Mm. But in terms of the content of what he said and the intention behind it and the agenda behind it, that that is one hundred percent true. So it was so so what ended up happening and you know, at that time, Megar Evers was was killed, and as a result of him being killed, Kennedy promised to put into into place a civil rights bill. And as they say in the film, but at the time there was a huge voting block. There was a huge voting block of of Southern Democratic people, uh, senators and congressmen who were going to fight this every single step of the way. So mm. all of that is factual. You know, yeah. Bull Connor. Uh, turning the holes on the children that happened at that so every single thing that happened in the film chronologically happened during the time frame yeah. that it happened so it 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 it, it was it, it, I mean, it I was spo- i suppose i'm also thinking in terms of what you because there's there's so much that couldn't go into the film because there's i suppose i suppose the question is also how you how you chose because i mean you didn't you didn't spend a huge amount of time you spent you know a good amount of time but not not all of it with Jay Gahuva or the police. No, because not. I mean, at one in one version, they were pressed. They, they were vi- in an early version of the script. Yeah, they were visually seen. Yes, that was not interesting to me. Yeah, you know, because they're they're forces of <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> they are forces of power. Yes. And it's very interesting to see the ramifications of power, not to see power. I'm not interested in seeing, see, you know, great, yeah. Jagger Hoover going, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I'm now going to do this <laughs> evil thing. You know, he's a horrible human being. Yeah. There was also, he he created a fake photograph of Martin Luther King naked in a bathtub while mm. Bayard was sitting on the toilet fully clothed. Right. The implication being that they were lovers. Yeah. You know, it, it's a great salacious detail, yeah. but it's not necessary to see that. Yeah. You know, we've also, Adam Clayton Powell did point of fact threaten to expose the fact that they were lovers, even though they were not lovers. So, yeah. and that beat has already been covered, so you don't need really to cover that beat. Sure. Um, so it it was it was just it it it, it was about the one the, the one invention, the one absolute invention, you know, is Elias, his lover. Hmm. It's sort of a composite of different characters and stories, but it was it was a very interesting. It was a. I, I think it created a kind of freedom of storytelling to include him. One, because Bias, uh, Bayard as an out homosexual in 1963 is very different than an out homosexual in 2023. Sure. And so it was valuable. Elias becomes very valuable because he he was a walking embodiment of how 
probably not many, if not most, uh, or probably most, you know, being Southern, being black, being Mm. married, trying to become what he felt as though he needed to become in order to fit into society. But at the same time, having the sexual desires and the sexual identity that he had. So he became a really, it's, it, it was sort of a, a kind of fun dynamic to play with because he's, mm. he's a totally invented character, yeah. but grounding him in, 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 in the morals and the thought process and the imprisoning energy that was 1963 for for a character like him, married and gay, yeah. and and a preacher and ambitious. Yeah. So so that was a fun character to have because it gave, and also it it, it gave us a chance. It, it gives the audience a chance, and I think gives the film a chance to while Bayard is organizing with a with a. monstrously Mm. inventive brain, this monumental occasion, he's also involved in someone who he feels incredibly vulnerable and drawn to. Mm. So that dichotomy of, of, of leading the charge, of being a brilliant teacher and being a brilliant strategist while falling in love with someone becomes, becomes an interesting way to expose both his strength and his frailty, and I, and I think you've done a you've done a very interesting job of showing the relationships that he has because you you haven't just painted him him as as a you know a, an honourable in, in all of his sort of relationship dealings you've you've shown the good and the bad right it's, and, it's, and the complexity which 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 also it, it just gives him a, a, a realness um, and an, an authenticity. Well, hopefully all the characters are real because are, want, yeah. because you know you can go to a museum and see monuments that are perfectly lit. Mm. That, that's what they're for. Yeah. You, you know, they're, exactly, you, you yeah. go to see monuments that are perfectly lit yeah. and we can be in awe, but it has nothing to do with who we are as human beings. Yeah. And we, we, have, we have noble intentions and then we have frailty and mm. we are strong and then we are insecure and then we are wanting to do the best that we can while foolishly doing things that are not necessarily the smartest and the best. And, yeah. and so finding, finding the emotional strengths and frailty of all the characters is very important because then you, what what you're seeing you're seeing a human animal just like you yes exactly and that's you why you, you empathize yes so so how did the how did the actual raising of the finance the the casting how did that happen from the the script stage well it's uh uh Bruce Cohen, who's one of the producers, did just take it back a little bit further. Yeah. He he had worked with Lance Black and Julian Brees. He had worked with Lance on on a, on a previous project, Milk. And so of course, yeah. Yeah, and he's in and so he saw it, they sent a version of the script that the two of them had worked on, mm. uh Julian and Lance, uh to to um Bruce. And then Bruce called me up and asked me and, and they were in the process of doing rewrites and Bruce called me up and asked me if I wanted to become involved in rewriting the script and 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 directing it and I was tied up finishing Ma Rainey at the time so I wasn't free and then uh, r- roughly around that exact same time the Obamas had started a production company called Higher Ground with Netflix and Tonya Davis was running it and is running it mm. and so uh, Bruce called her and then she talked to the Obamas, and uh, President Obama had given Bayer the Medal of Freedom 
uh, you know, Brilliant, yeah. you know, 40, 40, 50 years after the march. And so they were instantly excited. And so we were off and running. So yeah. that's how. It's brilliant. Yeah. You know, so it, 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 it you know, it was, it, it was a series of, of, of wonderful timing and wonderful dynamic. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Then we went, then we I began the process of, of refining the script and then mm-hmm. engaging you know, talent both in front of and behind the camera and, and, and starting that process and realizing that we were going to shoot in Pittsburgh uh, instead, even though most of the film takes place in New York and then for the sequences in L.A., in, in, in L.A., Lord, in, in D.C., we would actually film there. But that became complicated because getting, getting uh, permits and all this sort of stuff became loaded. Also, this was during the middle of COVID and the shutdown. Oh, right, yeah, the, so, the worst time to be doing that kind exactly, of <laughs> Exactly, kind of movement, exactly, yeah. where you're pu- putting, where you're creating your version of 250,000 people. Yes. And, and, and truth be told, there were three attempts to film yeah. in Washington, D.C. Wow. Because but it, uh, the first two were canceled because of COVID. Yeah. And then the third one, and the, the first time it was, it, we were in, it, that, that was the idea that we would film it in at the beginning it would be the first thing that we would film and there were so many practical things about that because october is you know the less the less there are fewer school kids who are showing up there are fewer tourists there and so we 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 were going to be in a complicated situation but it was a better uh, idea to film in october because it would be less busy mm. but then covid happened and also ultimately though Producerally, I thought it was a smart idea. Directorially, I was not fully on board, but I thought it was practical. And then we were going to film in April, and COVID dynamics happened again. And so we ended up, and and anytime you do that, then you you go back to, for lack of better words, the back of the line to get a permit to film on on the mall. And so when we ended up finally filming, it was in August, which is the peak of tourist time, yeah. which is the peak of kids showing up, yeah. high school kids. And it's also, you know, in, in, in terms of temperature, it was in 1963, it was 83 degrees. So when, we filmed, yeah. when we filmed, it was 117 Ooh. degrees. Wow. And, <laughs> and filming at the Lincoln Memorial, yeah. which is marble next to marble beside marble, what would happen is that sun would Reflex. come down, flex down, <laughs> bounce off of the marble, yeah. and the only place it could go after it bounced into the marble were into people's bodies. God. 
So no. it was that. So we filmed one. So we filmed two or three days there, and then long, long we, days, I imagine, long days and very hot days, yeah. and um, and then when we moved closer to the Washington Monument, where at least there's grass and earth, hmm. we were filming, and then all of a sudden from nowhere this aggressively rainstorm <laughs> came oh, in. Yeah. So it was like going from sweltering heat to a borderline monsoon. Yeah. So it was it was very challenging. But ultimately, by this time, I had also edited the entire film. Mm. So I knew exactly what I was looking for. How, so, how many people did you, did you have roughly for that? I mean, it must have been a, a, a good number. Well, it's like 500. Yeah. And and also, very well used, yeah, yeah exactly, and, and you know, and you know, and just dealing with you know, holding tents for them and yeah. catering for them, and also um, wanting to be as period correct as possible. The men were in would be their Sunday suits, which mm. would be wool, yeah, and so and so wool <laughs> at 117 degrees. It was yes, and, you know, yeah, I was, ra- a, rather, I was rather, a villain, yeah, rather them than do <laughs> exactly because it it hangs differently, and so I wanted yeah. every everything. I, the goal was to be completely and totally as authentic to 1963 as yeah. one possibly could be. Yeah, and it, so it, the, it cuts beautifully together with the, the real footage Exactly, as well. exactly. It, it really does. There, there's, it's very hard to... to distinguish, dis- yeah. Distinguish. And, also, and all of that was black and white, so we had to colorize mm. the archival footage. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, because there, you know, there's maybe five minutes of of color footage from 1963. The rest of it was all black and white. Mm. So so there was a whole process that had to go on there. And then, you know, once we had the footage that we did... And also one of the things that was also given the given the time crunch and given the number of rules that were involved in filming in D.C., what we ended up doing was cre- recreating the steps of the Lincoln Memorial uh-huh. in Pittsburgh yeah. and in blue screen so that therefore for all the speeches and for all the emotional and moments that existed between the characters, all of those were filmed in Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. And then that sense of expanse. And the sense of the crowd and the sense of of I remember when we first went to uh we first went to DC and I'd gone there when I was maybe like ten or eleven and all of a sudden so I'm back there and we were at the Lincoln Memorial and and I was going um and they were going, well, now let's get in the cars and go around and go look down at the Washington Monument. I said, Why don't we just walk? And they went. George, it's a mile and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, so yeah. traversing that landscape was really intense and very challenging. Yeah. So how, how did you approach the the visual side um, of this in, in terms of, because there is elements that have to blend in with the documentary. What what was the, the thought, thought process in, in terms of putting together the visuals? Uh, well, it's just, you know, there's, it's, well, the, the thing which was most people's recollection of the March on Washington exists from from the perspective of seeing it on TV. Hmm. And I wanted to eliminate any equation of TV and distance and make it feel like you, as an audience member watching the film, you were in the march. Hmm. You weren't observing it. Sure. You were a part of it. And, and, and making it feel... That, you know, and, and, and just and, and that was a general, you know, when 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 Bayard goes to Rochelle, one of the young people's party, you're at the party. You're not watching the party. You always feel like you're in it. You're say, 100 percent. It's, it's not always close ups that there are. There's there's a lot of wide shots where you can see the room, but you always feel like you're in the middle of the room. And that that was that was very much so because I didn't want it to, you know, I, I 
you know, I didn't want it to be his story. Yeah, I sure. wanted it to be life. Yes, and 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 that we are in that moment mm. where where it could go in either direction. Sure. So that therefore there is no there is they're trying to suspend uh, uh, any sense that a happy ending is guaranteed because sure. it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I, it definitely has that feeling of you, you're not sure where it's gonna when it, where it's gonna go, whether it's gonna go violent. Um, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a relief at the end when it when it doesn't go in that direction. Uh, well, it, I don't I don't think the issue is too much about, about violence. No. I, I was more so the, the political violence. Well, yes, that's true. The, yeah. the, the political violence of of knowing that the president of the country and that the head of the FBI were willing to do. So many just things. about anything yeah. to make sure this thing didn't happen yeah. because they were terrified. They they brought their unevolved understanding of race mm. to to their to their thought process, yeah. and 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 in the scene, Bayard correctly calls calls it out to to the person who he's dealing with. So it was it was just trying to create that threat, that threat, yeah. and that sense of of of. All of this could fail. They could all turn on, and, you know, because when Storm Thurman announced had uh, announced on the Senate floor about Bayard b- being engaged in lewd conduct in Pasadena, mm. that was six, seven, or eight days prior to the march. Right. Yeah. Which was calculated. Yeah, of course. Yeah. In a very, very specific way. Yeah. So that therefore those threats become part of the fabric of will it or won't it and mm. what's at stake. There are a number of things that happened. John Lewis uh, had a speech that he wrote and there was a Catholic uh, uh, cardinal who objected to one or two lines. And so at the very last minute, he threatened to pull out yeah. if they didn't change it. So, uh, yeah. there's, so there's a lot of additional drama that wasn't included. So, so speaking about the drama, how, how do you approach, because you've got a theatre background. Um, yes. How do you approach... And film background. And, and film, yeah. Yes. Of course, yeah. You've, you've done a lot of films before this. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm just interested on the rehearsal side, how you... Um, how you prepare for a movie like this? Do you, do you like to have long discussions with the actors in advance? Do you like to get them on set, work things through, talk through the dialogue? All of it? that. All of that. No, yeah. we, we, I have two weeks of rehearsal period be, okay. before anything begins, in which you know I, you know I, you know I talk a lot. They uh, they talk a lot, particularly um, on the research that they've done. So and it's a chance to evolve a vocabulary. Coleman and I had worked together on Ma Rainey, so that we had already knew how to work with each other. But so that only deepened and bringing on board whatever and whomever that 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 might be necessary. Um, you know, and, 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 and so building, building a sense of trust and texture, that's what those rehearsal periods are, are for. And then every single day before I shoot, I clear the set of everyone. Yeah. And it's just me and the actors, and I block the scenes, and I create a structure, and we talk about it and we rehearse it, and they hopefully find a place of understanding so that therefore then when they go back to hair and makeup, they're processing the work that we've done. And so once all of that work has been done, it again, hopefully gives them a sense of, of freedom and, and security so that therefore when they come back and we start filming, it's not about finding it. It's about exploring as deeply as po- as one possibly can all the options that are available. Sure. And making it sure that 
that they are that they are able to surprise one another with their work so that therefore what you're capturing are an endless series that the film is an endless series of vulnerable moments that mm. are existing between in every single scene between every single character yeah. so nothing has a contrived or 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 heavy-handed the rehearsal is to take away any equation or sense of rehearsal sure the rehearsal period is a time to create a structure whereby vulnerability and availability are maximized. Brilliant. And just to, just to wrap up, is there any advice uh, you could give any, maybe a young filmmaker or yourself when you were starting out uh, in terms of breaking through into you know, feature filmmaking? Well, I think the thing which is what I would say to, you know, is, uh, you know, if, if you've, to any young filmmaker, go to an acting class and observe. Mm. Yeah, that's what I so, did. Yeah. So the, exactly. Yeah. So and observe so that you know how to talk to actors. Yeah, it's it's very important that you know how to talk to your DP. But even more important, it's very important that you know how to talk to your actors. Definitely, and that they are not props in 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 your in 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 in, in your uh, uh, prop kit exactly a pocket yeah, that sure. they are they that they are that you're what you're really trying to capture and it can be stylistically very very different but what you're really trying to capture is is human behavior and vulnerability because yeah. i firmly believe an audience can tell when they are in the presence of of a truth that has been discovered just for them. And they can tell when actors or when you as a director are using recycled truths from another project. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. It's, it's an important film and it's a brilliant film. Oh, uh, thank you very and much. And we've really enjoyed uh, having you on the podcast. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. Okay, thank you. Well, that was Dom chatting with George C. Wolf. Fascinating chat. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, that was really, really well done again, Dom. That's two in a row now. You smashed out a solo host. Um, and you'll be taking over soon. And I- I'll be grateful. I could do with the break. <laughs> <laughs> you fancy editing some of these, then please. Yeah, yeah, please. yeah sure, yeah, just... Uh, oh, yeah, you say that yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on mic. Off yeah. mic. <laughs> no fucking no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remembered the other book I got... Yeah, nervous love that. I remember the other book I got for Christmas as well. It was Gus Van Sant's ah. The Art of Making Movies. Yeah, yeah I, I've already started diving into both uh, into that one and into the Path to Paradise, the Francis Ford Coppola story. It's fantastic. Yeah. Both of them really, really cool. Really cool. Um, anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, you are amazing. And you can go out there and make your films and make them amazing. But if should not, you? It doesn't matter. <laughs> but you should. Yes, you should. It's very important um, you do that because that's what it's about and that's what we want to hear. And we want to hear from you. Have you gone out there and made your films? Have you made it happen? Let us know. Um, and also, if you've got any questions for the podcast for our next business of film coming up, then do email us, thefilmmakerspodcast at gmail.com. Link to that is in the show notes. If you forget, you haven't got a pen with you, it's in the show notes. Just go find it. It's there. Until Tuesday, when we have the Oppenheimer ladies talking about making Oppenheimer, take care. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, which is your duty too, uh, send the other way to my Until Tuesday, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.